Great Scott! Dude, I'm John. John, I've only got one question for you. Are you ready to blow some minds today? Uh, I don't know. I think so. John, I didn't ask you if you think you'll be ready. Are you ready to give the people something they didn't ask for, but they might enjoy anyways? Well, when you put it that way... Well, then let's do this right! Welcome, everyone, to Deep Fried Cinema. Harry, it's showtime. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. Open the pod bay doors, pal. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. What do you want, Harry? What do you want? You want the moon? Shake, 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 Welcome everyone to Deep Fried Cinema. I'm your host Jay. With me, as always, is John. (laughs) John, how's it been going today? (laughs) We're gonna use that too. (laughs) What do you? What would you say? Hey everyone. Welcome Welcome everyone to Deep Fried Cinema. Oh, okay. Welcome back everyone to Deep. (laughs) Welcome back. I sound like a teenager. (laughs) So it's like. We're practicing this, and I, I can't get it. It's all good. Just do it. <laughs> this is going to be a long time. This will be like a three-hour fight. Welcome back, everybody, to Deep Fried Cinema. I'm your co-host, Jay. And I'm John. Uh, and this week, we're going to talk about the movie that we just recently saw, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Now, this was uh, directed and written by Quentin Tarantino, and it just released on July 26, 2019. Uh, it was starring Lin- Le- Leonardo. Le- it was starring Leonardo DiCaprio, Brad Pitt, and Margot Ro- Robbie. Okay, so we're not going to go too deep into it right now. What we're going to do is we're just going to talk about uh, the storyline that you would have gotten before going to see this movie. Uh, we're going to talk about some of the fun facts that we have, some of the facts about the cast members that we found out. Uh, and then after that, we'll, we'll talk about um, things that are going to be spoilers, and we'll alert you before we do that. So the storyline to this movie is, is, is Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood visits 1969 Los Angeles, where everything is changing as TV star Rick Dalton, played by Leonardo DiCaprio, and his longtime stunt double Cliff Booth, played by Brad Pitt, make their way around an industry they hardly recognize anymore. The ninth film from the writer-director feature, a large ensemble cast and multiple storylines in a tribute to the final moments of Hollywood's golden age. That literally tells me nothing about this movie, John. <laughs> because when we saw it, it uh, yeah, I guess, it, I guess you could say it, it, it does fall, make their way around, but it, it's very vague yeah. uh, and to the point of what Quentin Tarantino wanted. Now, uh, let's talk about the cast and crew real quick. Okay. Uh, we had uh, Dakota Fanning in this movie. Yeah. Um, we also had Maya Hawke. And for those of you that don't know Maya Hawke, she is uh, the child of Uma Thurman and Ethan Hawke. And Uma Thurman played in, what, three of Quentin Tarantino's movies. Yeah. Uh, she was in Pulp Fiction, and then she was in the Kill Bill Volume 1 and 2. Mm-hmm. 
Um, somebody else of note is uh, Harley Quinn Smith. Is she's the uh, daughter of Kevin Smith, uh, Kevin Smith the director. Uh, and then uh, one other person we forgot to mention was uh, Rumor Willis, and she's the daughter of Bruce Willis. And Demi Moore. And Demi Moore, yeah. So yeah. there's a star-studded uh, children cast. Um, children of... Children of famous people. Yeah. But they're going to be famous too, most likely. Yeah. And most of those girls play the hippie uh, Charles Manson girls. Yeah, yeah. So we, we did see them. They're very dirty looking in the movie. They're yeah. all very dirty and very... Um, Which awful. I didn't know who Maya Hawk was until after... Yeah, until I said something. I've ne- I never seen I, th- I think I said something. I was like, that's Maya Hawk. You can yeah, tell. Yeah. Dakota Fanning looks different. Um, she's definitely older. It's been a while since I've seen her. Yeah, definitely older. Uh, this this movie uh, just came around ninety five million uh, budget wise, so not cheap, but uh, obviously not also that expensive compared to some of the Marvel movies that uh, no, have, sure. have come out. Brad and Leo took a, about half of that. <laughs> All right, so this this movie took uh, Tarantino about five years to write. In fact, he actually started this movie as a novel. Then, as he was working on the novel, he changed it into a screenplay, thinking that it was going to be better for uh, viewing it on a movie screen. This uh, is Luke Perry's last film, and uh, yep. uh, he died in March um, from a massive stroke. He, he has a, a bit part in this movie, uh, playing as an and he plays an actor within a movie. Within the he's in a western they all within the movie. they all kind of yeah. play actors within the movie but yeah yeah and he play and it's kind of interesting using him as uh he, they pull him and uh rebecca gayhart she's also in the movie she was the noxima girl if you don't know her some of you young young younger listeners might not know her but she was the noxima girl in the 90s um she was on 90210 with luke perry too but uh it was good casting because uh, leo is Kind of a fading star himself, who never got quite got the chance that Luke Perry or Rebecca Gayhart may have. They're kind of similar. So uh, this movie uh, was actually released to the Cannes Film Festival, mm-hmm. uh, and it received a seven-minute standing ovation after it premiered. Uh, and then I believe uh, Quentin Tarantino did make a um, he did make a statement to the crowd afterwards, uh, just. Asking everyone, please don't uh, ruin this movie, yeah. and don't talk about it if you can, because I think movies need to be enjoyed. And finding that out on your own is the journey itself, not being told by someone else. So mm-hmm. um, that's kind of what we're doing as well. We're gonna not tell you about it until we're ready to. So you can cut yeah. this off when we're ready. This film was actually originally going to be produced by the Weinstein Company, and then it was found out that yeah, uh, some stuff happened with him. Some stuff happened with him, and he quickly pulled from that group. He had a bid. He was bidding the movie around, and I think Sony ended up winning it. Yeah, this, this is a Sony picture. Sony, Sony picture. Burt Reynolds was originally supposed to be casted as uh, the George Spawn character, the owner of the ranch where Charles Manson's crew lived, but he died before the shoot, so they replaced placed him with Bruce Dern. There's a Cadillac in this movie that uh, belongs to Rick. Rick and driven around by um, Cliff, and that's Brad Pitt's character. Uh, that actual Cadillac belongs to Michael Madsen, and you might have seen that same car driven around in the Reservoir Dogs movie. 
That was Quentin Tarantino's first movie. Oh, this is also this is also a weird little thing. This is the first collaboration for Al Pacino and Leonardo DiCaprio. This is amazing that this is actually the first time that they've worked together. This movie, they asked Brad Pitt to... There was a different turn of events that this movie was going to take. Brad Pitt was going to... Initially, they offered him a, a part to investigate the murders, kind of like as a detective. For some reason, he wasn't into it, and he denied it. They then also looked at Tom Cruise, and this is all hearsay, we don't know if it was true or not, but they looked at Tom Cruise for the same role. I don't know if the Cruise thing worked out, but they, I guess, changed the story around a little bit. Tarantino offered Brad Pitt the role of Cliff Booth as the, uh, the stunt double, and I guess he was okay with that, so he went along with that. And at the end of the movie, we do see that Tim Roth was cut. Uh, he was supposed to play an English butler to uh, Jay Sebring in the movie. It was played by Emil Hirsch. Emil Hirsch. We can't forget that one. But yeah, he was supposed to play an English butler to Jay Sebring and they just, I guess for time's sake, cut it out. But they still gave him a credit within the movie. So the original cut was, I, th I believe, four hours and oh my God, 22 it minutes. Titanic. Like that. <laughs> it would have been the Titanic. Yeah. All right, so I guess that's all the um, that's all the information that we had overall. John, how did you find the film in before giving out any of the secrets that you've that you've come across? I really liked it. It's um, it's one of my favorite movies of the year. I like. I mean, this we're kind of going through the summer where it's mostly Marvel and you know Pixar movies and blockbuster movies. This is kind of your first adult movie. It's just like a you know a breath of fresh air. Plus, it's coming from Tarantino. He always has just crazy story. Stories, you know, I just loved it. It was, it, you know, you didn't know where it was going to go. You kind of had a sense based on this is a story of the Manson murders. Everybody should probably know what happened in that case without spoiling anything. You know, he takes, he kind of runs the story parallel to those, to what we know with the, the Manson murder. And I thought, I think that's an interesting way to tell the story. Yeah, I agree. From about April to about early summertime, it's just been straight Disney or a superhero film. So this is a, the first movie of the year that I think that kind of takes another takes another turn uh, and, and we get to see something different um, from that standpoint. And I just think this was Quentin Tarantino's way of saying this is what brings people to Hollywood is to make movies. And this is the dream that all of them wanted to live and, and for a character like Leonardo DiCaprio was playing, Sometimes that dream is washed up fairly quickly. This movie, awesome movie. Um, it's definitely, if you like Quentin Tarantino, you will not be disappointed. If you've seen any of Quentin Tarantino's movies and said, I, I'm not, I don't like them, mm -hmm. you're not going to like this film either. I don't know. I would, I would say this is his most accessible film. Like, most people, when they think of Tarantino, I think they're, they think he's a little graphic violence, which there is violence in this movie, but I think people will see this violence differently than they, maybe the, uh, you know, the, his past movies. And it's got, you know, it's got Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio. Um, alright, so that's the end of our spoiler-free, uh, movie talk. Uh, after this, it will be completely laden with spoilers. If, you, if you're going to see the movie soon, I would suggest stopping the podcast now, yeah. go see it, and then come back and, and we'll, we'll talk and you can agree with us or disagree. Yeah. And we don't care because we probably won't hear you. <laughs> <laughs> that might make it. That may not make the cut. We'll see if that it's makes the audio cut or not. But we do appreciate you listening to us and we're, we're going to... We're going to make a funny little noise now, and that's the time when you pause it, and we'll, we'll come back, and we'll, we'll start again. Take a quick break. Hi, this is Danny Glover, and you're listening to Deep Fried Cinema.
Okay. This is not even a good Doc <laughs> Danny Glover presentation. <laughs> Hi, this is Adam Sandler. <laughs> you can't see my hands right now, but oh. It's a really bad Adam Sandler. <laughs> this is all being cut, by the way. Except for the Danny Glover part. That's staying. <laughs> Anything where it doesn't involve me making an ass of myself. Oh, man. I really thought this movie was going to play more with the Charles Manson murders. That's what drew me in. Um, I really thought there was going to be some, like, as I was watching it, I was like, when are we going to talk about the Charles Manson? Uh, I know we're going to go, we're going to deep dive into the, the, the movie itself and, and stuff like that. But the one, right off the top, I will say that this movie, I thought was going to deal with more Charles Manson. It was more of like a side story. Yeah. The entire the, the time. story. And very little at the end about it, but and we'll get into it. But yeah, that, that Charles Manson was not a big aspect. In fact, Charles Manson himself was only on screen for about two minutes. Yeah, uh, we see him come up to Sharon Tate's house. He's asking about a former resident there. They J C Bring comes out because we've realized J C Bring hangs out with Sharon Tate mm-hmm. almost all the time. In fact, they say that at the movie. Uh, he says, "No, those uh, Terry hasn't lived here in years, mm-hmm. or he just moved out. We, you know, this is now the uh, Polanski's residence, mm-hmm. and uh, and then they send Manson along the way, and that's all we see of him, yeah. and that's it. And then it's very until the very end. You don't even see Manson at all for the rest of the movie. Yeah. Um, so basically, you have like the, you know the two characters. You have Leonardo DiCaprio. He's like action star from TV, sort of like a Luke Perry was in 90210." But he wasn't well. He was he was an action star at first. He yeah. had a few movies, yeah. and they even showed some of those movies. Yeah, right. Uh, he had like the McCuskies. Yeah. I don't. What was that called? The McCuskies Fourteenth or something. I don't, I don't even remember. I forget. They he did he did all these, you know, crazy little movies, um, and it kind of shows how he could have been the Steve McQueen, but just by chance, certain circumstance, he and his stardom never took off. Like. Steve McQueen's, you know, it's like you take a left, Steve McQueen takes a right, and he comes becomes successful. Same thing with Clint Eastwood. But uh, and Leonardo DiCaprio is at a point in his career where he's struggling with that, and he thinks time has passed and his t- his time is complete. So, anyways, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, you know, he's at this point in his career where he's struggling, and Brad Pitt's kind of the he's kind of going through the same thing. He was he was a, a stuntman. Um, and he's Leonardo, Leonardo's... Yeah, stuntmen don't last long. Yeah. Right? They don't Which, have 20, 30-year careers. They are yeah. 10 years and you're, you're washed up. I guess. And then Leonardo, he's, Leonardo's kind of like assistant. He does anything Leonardo Would wants. you say they were like in their 40s though? 40s yeah. or like 45? Yeah. But Brad Pitt's taking it completely different than Leonardo. He's just chill. This is Brad Pitt like Fight Club. The well, he the hasn't had a career for a while now. It's yeah, yeah. It, this is the end of Leo's character, which is Rick, and I'll probably refer to him as Rick from now on. Yeah, and then I'll refer to Brad Pitt's character as Cliff. Yeah. So this is the end of the line for Rick, yeah. um, but it's just slowly happening now. Cliff's has already happened. Uh, he's now just been Rick's driver for yeah. the past few years. Because if we didn't tell you already, Rick is a uh, alcoholic at this point in his career. He's drinking. Every night, um, heavily, he's actually gotten into quite a few accidents, uh, and as a as because of that, uh, Cliff has to drive him everywhere. Now. I think we we started off though the movie. We actually saw the the beginning of his TV show that ended in the fifties. 
And like we said, this took place in the late 60s, uh, about 68 or 69. Um, but we actually saw his TV show, which ended in the, the late 50s, uh, and it was called Bounty Law. And it's where Rick Dalton's character, who played a, uh, a Western, it was like a Western movie, and he played like a, um, a cowboy who um, brought in like outlaws that had bounties on their head. Um, we also saw a few of the movies that he performed. Uh, in his career, just to kind of set the tone for what who Rick Dalton was and how big of a how big of a movie star he was, we then drive up about eight years later after that, and we get to a point where Rick is meeting with Al Pacino in a bar. Al Pacino plays uh, Marvin Schwartz, and I don't know exactly who Al Marvin or who Marvin Schwartz is or uh, who, he's, who he's trying to portray. He's some rich mogul that is looking to get Rick to play in um, Italian westerns. Yes, spaghetti westerns. Uh, he then goes on to tell Rick that uh, this is typical of older actors, older mm -hmm. western act, older actors that are playing westerns. You go from the hero to now playing the villain. Mm -hmm. You go from people really loving you to now every time you get beat up in a movie. The audience starts to really like dislike you at this point, and that's what Hollywood does. You're now going to just be the guy that sets up every young guy that they want to have happen. Now, that really bums Rick out because it kind of opens the light that yeah, this is probably the end of the road for him. Um, but he does not want to go to to Italy at this point. He still has this firm belief that he can play in TV shows and movies. Um, I think he has a couple more shows still lined up. He has a guest appearance on a TV show called Lancer. He doesn't want to hear that he has to go to Italy to make westerns. He does not view them as, as westerns in America. I think, what did you call them? Spaghetti westerns? Yes, yeah, spaghetti westerns. That's what Clint Eastwood did. Okay. Uh, the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. Those were all made in Italy. That's a pretty good and, one. And uh, they even mentioned a director, Corbucki, Sergio Corbucki. Bucky. He's a he's a real director. Okay. He did the great silence and stuff. Yeah, this is the part of the movie. It just kind of sets up and and uh I would say this is the part that was probably the kind of the slowest. The the bit if the beginning of the movie is kind of slow, you're like, what's going on here? And then it kind of drifts off with Brad Pitt's character. He kind of just meanders. He's kind of like the big Lebowski a little bit away. He's just kind of chill all the time. And he's just driving through, and it kind of shows... I like how the story goes, where it it shows Sharon Tate, who lives next door to uh, Rick Dalton. and But they don't really cross paths during the movie. And it's just like they're there, and they're passing these these hippie girls who happen to be the Manson girls. One of the, one of the girls is... Uh, Brad Pitt keeps noticing her on the streets, and he, you know, gives her a wink or whatever. And it kind of goes from there, you know, Brad Brad Pitt's character and all the little tasks that he gets to do. And Brad Pitt's character lives in a, well, we'll say Rick Dalton lives next to Sharon Tate and in a posh neighborhood. And, With a pool. And yeah, the pool and everything. Bars. Um, and Cliff Booth, he lives basically in a trailer. Or it's definitely a, a mobile trailer. home. It's with definitely a mobile his home. Dog. It's and behind a drive-in theater. Yeah, yeah, he travels all the way out to the desert. Yeah, and it's behind a drive-in theater. Yeah, and he has a and eat pots and pans all over the place because he's not clean. He loves mac and cheese. He cooks it the same way I do. Just kind of cooks it and eats it out of the pot. But we don't have the same body. 
try for it. But I'm like, it gave me, it gave me hope. <laughs> we, we don't have to do the uh, whole. Uh, Are we gonna? Let's just okay. Yeah, let's let's just, just talk about what we thought. Because we're not gonna do the whole damn movie in. Yeah, because uh, it's gonna talk. be like it's gonna right. be so boring. We're gonna be here four hours. We're I can't remember. Like, so, anyways, uh, cool scenes. Yes. We get we get to a scene let's where. Just do cool scenes. Let's just do cool scenes. Oh god! I was, like, I, was like, I was like, we're literally doing this right now. We're literally gonna just talk. Through the entire movie, like, like, without what's... seeing the movie again. So, anyways, uh, <laughs> Brad Pitt, Leonardo, or Rick Dalton, he tries to get uh, his Brad another job, and Kurt Russell's like, "Can't do it, man! Can't do it!" And he's like, "Come on, man!" And he's finally like, "Which I thought this was." I wanted to ask you about what you thought about this. There's a scene brought up where he's like, "Can't do it." The dude killed his wife. Talking about Brad Pitt. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. So there's a kind of a characterization of Brad Pitt that we hear about from Kurt Russell that never really develops into anything. It doesn't. Yeah. But it's basically that Brad Pitt or you know Cliff Booth killed his wife, and then uh, so anyways, but not only that, but they talk about or they they flash back to. Cliff and his wife on a boat. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And he's just drinking. Like he's putting on like a snorkel. Yeah, it's and a weird, she's weird thing. sitting on the in the in the boat as well. And it's not a huge boat. I think it's like a little fishing boat. Yeah. Um, but, but it's not. It's nothing big. But she's sitting on the the um the deck, and she's just complaining about what like a, a miserable person he is. Yeah. Uh, and how much better she would have been if she didn't meet him. But it never him. actually shows him do anything to his wife. And, but it's just. But he had the he had the um, the harpoon gun though. It makes you think. Was she holding the harpoon gun? Or was he holding the harpoon gun? He was holding. He it, was holding the. He harpoon wasn't. Gun. I don't know. It never showed him. I just. I don't know. I started thinking about it. Like, there's a lot of parallels with this movie in today's society. I was just thinking about like 1969 was 50 years ago. And there's this whole culture movement coming in with the hippies and everything. And Brad Pitt, uh, Rick Dalton, and Cliff Booth are not a part of that culture. They're not part. They're they're, they're culture before. They're, yeah, they're, they're more. Let's let's go to another scene. Let's go to another Bruce, scene. Bruce Lee's thing. Oh well, that's how. That's why Randy doesn't like him as well. Uh, <laughs> is that uh, during the film, uh, they are what show? Were, oh, they were on the Green Hornet. That was actually showing the Green Hornet movie. Really? Yeah. Was so that was. So we didn't know, yeah. but that was when Bruce Lee was playing the Green Hornet. I didn't know he played the Green Hornet. Well, yeah, he was in that movie. He was the he was the driver. With Remember? Seth Rogen. No, no. no that was the first time. That was why they picked an. Uh, I didn't know there was an old. Yeah, green Hornet. there was an old Green Hornet. I got you. Okay, that was the movie that they were shooting. Well, it turns out that during shooting for that, they were off the set, and Bruce Lee was going on about how he was like uh, an extreme fighter. What was he bringing up, like Cassius Clay or something like that? Oh yeah, and, and Brad Pitt's kind of smirking, and he was laughing, and he's yeah. like, "What did I say something funny?" He was like, yeah, yeah. "Yeah, I think you did." He kind of pulled a Joe Pesci from Goodfellas. <laughs> what, what did I say was funny? And Brad Pitt was like, "Well, now that you say something," and then he's like, "All right, we'll do a, a two out of three, which I yeah. thought was kind of funny. Bruce Lee asking for a two out of three. A two out, of, a three out of <laughs> yeah, that's two out of three. Well, um, Bruce Lee hits Cliff. The first time knocks him completely down. Mm-hmm. The second time, Bruce comes at him again, and Cliff throws him into a car, puts a huge dent in the car. Yeah, the car is completely smashed in. Car is completely smashed. We don't even know where that car came from, but it's someone's car. It's and, the producer lady. Well, yeah, I was going <laughs> to get to that. But uh, and then they go for the third round, and then 
the producer's wife or or something like that comes yeah. out. Kurt Russell's wife. Kurt Russell's wife in the movie comes out and she's like, "What's going on?" Uh, and she already doesn't like Cliff. Yeah. She because she doesn't trust him because he killed his wife or allegedly killed allegedly. his wife. And then Randy comes out and he's trying to take care of the situation and they're like, "Well, what happened?" And then Cliff's like, "Well, me and Bruce were fighting." And and then Bruce is like, well, "No, no, 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 no. He didn't beat me." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, he, and then and then Cliff goes, "Well, I the dent on the car would yeah. say otherwise." And then which is, and, that's a classic Tarantino kind of scene. Yeah, because it, it, and it's a good, it's a great characterization of the character because you have like these iconic characters that they put in Sharon Tate, Bruce Lee, Roman Polanski. These are real people that everybody knows about, and they, he puts these two. Rick Dalton and Cliff Booth characters in who are we don't know they're just fictitious to place them in a scene where basically he's the guy that kicks uh, Bruce Lee's butt <laughs> I read an or I heard an interview with Quentin Tarantino he said that based on all the stuff that he's like this was what I gathered from Bruce Lee he's one of those very arrogant um kind of like he's like this is how, how he saw Bruce Lee <laughs> he did not interview Roman Polanski but he did talk to um, Deborah Tate, which was the... Which is kind of a giveaway, or I thought it was interesting before, because I had heard that she gave Tarantino, when she found out what the movie was about, she gave Tarantino's blessing, which I thought was kind of weird. I was like, yeah. that's weird. He's going to do a, a movie about her murder, her sister's murder, and she's okay with it. And then come to find out, you see why. Quentin got a lot of flack. I don't know if you saw that with the can at the Cannes Film Festival. Oh, did he? I didn't see Well, that. there was an interview, and they asked him, why doesn't Margot Robbie have as many lines as Leonardo and Brad Pitt? Because um, yeah. she's basically the third main character. And I thought it was, when it comes across, she comes as very sweet in this innocence. It's really, the characters are about Rick Dalton and Cliff Booth. Yeah, the, the most of the story and isn't... I thought it was interesting to play, have her portrayed. They didn't because the movie's kind of all center of her. It's a much of a side story. Yeah, it yeah. really doesn't even need to exist. It just kind of puts it in a timeline. Yeah, and really. it's kind of like just they're passing by. Yeah, hey, they live next to each other. There's a great scene where she goes into a theater to see watch her own performance. And... Uh, I'm gonna call that one out real quick. Okay, because she did. She goes up there and she's she's just walking by this theater. And she happens to see that it's playing the movie that she's currently starring in, which she's not the star of. She's just kind of like a the third wheel of the movie. Yeah. But it's a uh, well, who was who was the star of the movie? Was it um the movie that was that she was, it was going uh, to see? Dean Martin. Dean Martin movie. Yeah. And she played some clumsy bell bell hop waiter or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it was one of those campy kind of. Was she? I guess that's what she was known for. She was in Beyond. Well, the, that was Ballet her. Dolls, yeah, Ballet yeah. Dolls. That's right. She did two movies, and they were like, what, "Oh, you're not the famous one in either of those movies." Yeah. Um, she goes up there, and she's like, "Oh, they're like seventy-five cents," and I was thinking well, that's not that expensive, but it is nineteen sixties. Yeah. Um, but then she goes and says, "Oh, well, what happens? What?" Wait, she goes up to the person, they're like 75 cents, and then the, uh, and then she says, well, what happens if you're in the movie? And the lady's like, excuse me? And she's like, no, I'm in the movie. Yeah. And she's like, who? And I'm like, well, that's me, Sharon Tate. <laughs> and then she brings out another guy, uh, the, the behind the, the ticket lady brings out another guy, and they're like, oh, you're in the movie. Great. Well, you can just go watch it if you want. And then she goes, sits down, and watches the movie. And then she's, you can tell she's in the mi middle of the movie theater, uh -huh. and she just loves it when her part comes up, and she's just laughing yeah. at 
the reaction yeah, yeah. that she's getting when she makes a goof. Yeah. Like, she's just hoping other people like her. Yeah. Which it makes it really human. And yeah, yeah. The only thing I didn't like about it was, like, you could afford a 75-cent ticket. Uh, yeah. But that's it. But yeah, I was yeah. like, I thought it was funny that she was going to use her card there. Yeah, yeah. And be like, well, I'm in the movie. Yeah. Uh, and in another interview, uh, Tarantino said that he does the same things to his own movies. So that's why he wrote it. Oh, that makes <laughs> sense now. Oh, man. Well, he said, well, he, of course, everybody knows him now. So he right. can't really do that. But he said when he was doing Reservoir Dogs, um, he would go to different parts of the town to see. To see his film and the yeah, reactions, yeah, just to see. What, well, that's we'll cool. see how the reaction that's is cool. over here. All right, so let's get to the end of the movie, which um, is this is the absolute classic. This is the classic ending. I, which uh, all right, well, well, all right. Let's back Actually, up to let's back up one. Let's back up one scene. Go for it. Brad Pitt's character. He's passed this girl on the street a few times, and then finally he stops, and they happen to be. You know, he takes her to. The Spawn Ranch, and he's like the Spawn Ranch, and she's like, "Yeah, do you know that place?" And he's like, "Yeah, it's been about eight years, but uh, I know the the owner." That's where they filmed Bounty Law, the TV show. Yeah, so he's um, he's kind of curious and kind of puzzled at why these hippies are up there at Spawn Ranch, and she drives him up, or she leads him up there, and then he gets there, and it's kind of played out kind of like a a horror movie. You're like. This is where I don't know. I, I know that Brad Pitt's character's fake, like he, he's not real person, you know, character or a real person. But he goes up and on, onto this ranch, and it's very eerie. You see all these girls coming out, and he's like, he wants to see the Bruce Dern character. Who, what's his name? The Spawn, Mr. Spawn. George Spawn. George Spawn. George Spawn. So he's asking about this George Spawn, and then they're like, they're just basically trying to blow him off. Like, nah, he's he's sleeping. And he's like, well, I'd like to check on him and all this stuff. And I thought he was dead. I I wasn't even sure if he was a real person. I thought they killed him, and they were like, just left him in yeah, the Yeah, yeah. I thought this this is going to turn into Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Because they're making like it a big deal. Like, no, you can't see yeah, him. Yeah, and yeah. I'm like, oh, he's dead. Yeah, like you're gonna find him, and there's gonna be it's gonna smell, and there's gonna be flies there, and I'm like, hey, just don't go in there. But he go finally goes in, and he's there's a girl sitting there. The, all the other girls leave, but there's like kind of a um, girl leader in there, and she's like, let me know when he gets here. And which is this is Dakota Fanning, by the way. Yeah, I did. I was, I was, I was, I was did like, not see her first. I know her. You, I didn't even yeah. recognize her. You had to tell me that. Yeah, it yeah. Was Dakota she Fanning. hadn't washed her hair obviously in this for this movie. <laughs> they don't. Yeah. They all didn't. Yeah, the, but uh, or they Dakota Fanning didn't look. I mean, you know, you recognized her by her face, her, her eyes, I guess. But uh, anyways, she's like, yeah, yeah, he's back there, and she's very. Uh, She's very vulgar in this movie. Yeah, yeah. Because she says some stuff that I'm not going to repeat on yeah, here. Yeah. Okay. But she's like, "This is this is why he's asleep right now, and he needs yeah, yeah. To, he needs to get up. He needs to watch TV with me tonight. We have FBI on tonight, yeah. and we have." <laughs> I thought that was yeah, funny. Yeah. I was like, "Oh, they all watch FBI." Doesn't, some show FBI, which which Rick Dalton has a, an appearance that night. Yeah, yeah. It's weird. So, anyways, he goes back in the room, and there's this old man there, and it's George Spawn, and it's played by Bruce Dern. He rolls over, Bruce Darian's blind, or he's going blind, and he's just like some old pervert, basically that lets the hippie stay there on the ranch for sexual favors. But anyways, it kind of shows, this is probably like the most humanistic portion of Cliff Booth, because he actually goes in there to check on him. He's like, I'm just here to check on you, man. And then 
he kind of leaves. But that that moment, I was like, "Is he gonna get hacked?" And he went, walks out. That place was scary. Yeah, yeah. Like that was not a a, a friendly place to go. I, I was like, "Oh my gosh, get yeah, out yeah. of there now!" Like I I would have dropped her off like a a mile away from that place had I seen it. Yeah. So they then they go. He goes out and then he's going to leave, but his tires slashed. The hippies. Oh, were, the hippies yeah. were like pissed that he went in there to go check on the George Spawn. They, th- they, th- they felt it was like an intrusion, so they, they slashed his tire, and the uh, guy there, there's one guy, and he's just kind of laughing, this stupid laugh, <laughs> and, uh, and I don't know, this is kind of cool Brad Pitt, he's just like, throws him a spare tire, he's like, lucky I have a spare tire, and he throws it to him, he's like, fix it, <laughs> and the guy just kind of looks at him, and he's like, nah, you're going to fix it. And then basically it beats the crap out beats of him. Beats the crap out yeah. of him. Like just punches him right in the face. And the girls go over and over. Go run in to get Tex, who everybody should know. Tex. Well, it's the only other guy on. So the, yeah, uh, yeah, just yeah. a little background here. He uh, there's like about thirty women on this this ranch, uh, and the three there's three men overall. I think is Charlie Manson, Tex, Tex, and, and this other dude. this he other gets, guy that's not. But he gets beat up by Brad Pitt. Yeah, but they're all. But the other two are in their twenties yeah, or, yeah. or even teens at this point, so they're not. Uh, yeah, they're not um, Brad Pitt's yeah. age or anything like that. Uh, I guess Charlie Manson, Charles Manson, was the only. Yeah, and they kept on referring to him as Charlie, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, we're at the Manson farm." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so then they go to get Tex, and Tex is the guy I know as the one of the murderers of the Sharon Tate. So I'm like, "Oh, no, this is bad for." Pitt's character. Um, he finally gets back, and Pitt, um, the tire's fixed, and he's gone. So it was kind of like, whew, he got out. Right. Which leads us to our final scene, and this is when uh, the night of Sharon Tate's murder, and it has the title cards and everything, August 9th, whatever. You know, I, I want to bring up real quick is that halfway through the movie, the movie actually changes how it's portrayed. At first, it's just you going around with Rick and Cliff um, in the car, and you're kind of seeing it through their perspective. So you're, you you either switch to um, Leo's character, and you're seeing it through his perspective, you're mm-hmm. seeing it through Brad Pitt's character. Oh, and then all of a sudden, they shift it to more of like a Kurt Russell talking on top of it uh, as like a narrator, and setting up all of the pieces. And so then they're going into like a at 8:45 they come back and 9 p.m. and it's all it goes to a more of like a investigation yeah, yeah. Um, setup and 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 then that's when we get to where where John's going to talk about where it's four hippies mm-hmm. pull up in this car right next to Rick's house. Yeah, Rick hears this loud muffler. He comes out. It's loud too. Yeah, and he's like, it's loud. What are you just thinking hippies out here? But he basically chews them out. And they're just kind of like, what? And he just like calls them every name in the book. Tells them to get the heck out of here. They have to back out because they can't turn around. So they back all the way down the street. Get out of the cars. And then they have their knives or whatever. Well, well, first off, they were laughing because they're like, that was... That's Rick Dalton. That's the guy from Bounty Law. I had his lunchbox. Yeah. Which, Uh, uh, he was amazing. I just got chewed out by Rick Dalton. (laughs) And one of the girls was like, well, excuse me for not recognizing every fascist I see on TV or something. All right, so they back out. Maya Hawk, the girl that plays uh, Maya Hawk, she backs out, basically. Takes well, the car and leaves. She's, you can already tell that she's fidgeting in the car. Yeah, she yeah, doesn't yeah. want to be there. Yeah. And so what she ends up doing is they all get out of the car. They grab their weapons. They think they just had knives. 
and yeah. Tex had a gun. Um, Maya, she played a, a... She looked really nervous, and then when she got out of the car, they were walking up the drive. She goes and says, Oh, I forgot my, I forgot my weapon. And he's like, Ah. So they all stop, and they're like, Okay, well, you're going to need the keys. I locked the door. Mm-hmm. And so she's like, Okay, well, let me give the keys. Uh, a few moments later, you hear a car screeching down the yeah, road. Yeah. She, she got in it and yeah. left them there. And so now it's just three... Uh, of the hippies, mm-hmm. we saw Tex, we saw uh, Squeaky, mm-hmm. she was the redhead girl, mm-hmm. and then we see this new girl called um, uh, Snake, mm-hmm. um, and she's she's obviously one that is egging them on the most, mm-hmm. because she wants, she's got this thing in her head that she needs to now kill, mm-hmm. um, she's just built it up in her head. Yeah, so they go up there, they go up to uh, Leonard, uh, Rick Dalton's house. And it should, uh, Rick Dalton has gone, he's made of margaritas. He's, 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 he's drunk. drinking again in the pool. He's, yeah, he's sitting in his pool. And he's got his clothes. headphones He's got on. his headphones on. So, so he can't hear anything. I'm oblivious. And then uh, Cliff. Cliff Booth has tried, he's walking his dog and he's smoking a laced LSD cigarette. <laughs> and so he walks off. And so at this moment I'm thinking... The, the the murders are going to happen to the Sharon Tate, and they're just going to be oblivious. Yep. I'm thinking that either that's going to happen, or there's going to be some kind of altered history, and then, I don't know. But anyways, they show up at Rick Dalton's house, and... Well, they get into their mind. So their original goal was to go to Sharon Tate's house and kill everybody in the Tate house, which was how history happened. That's how it happened. That's how it happened. But in this movie, movie they go But to in this movie, Dalton. they decided, oh, we need to kill the actors. That are playing the fake people, and they were like, yeah. well, "We're gonna go kill Rick Dalton." Well, so then they go to the Rick Dalton, and then they uh, Cliff Booth comes in, and he's stoned, and he's stoned, and he's making his dog some dog, um, food. Some dog food. His dog's a, a pit bull, right? He's a pit bull. Okay. So, and they showed some scenes with uh, Pit before with his dog, um, and anyways, the in walks Tex and the girls. And he's kind of like <laughs> laughing at him, like, "Is this is this really happening? Or like, are you real?" I, yeah, because he's because he's high, and he's kind of playing that Pit Zany character that he's done before. You've seen him do, and he's just kind of laughing. It's kind of a humorous scene, but then you're like, "Oh my gosh, he's getting ready to get killed because he don't know what's going on." And I'm thinking to myself, like, "Oh, he's he's tripping right now. He's going to be easy to kill. Yeah, like, yeah. he's not. Yeah, this isn't like you wouldn't want to mess with his character." Yeah. When he's stri- but but he's ha- but he's a little off right now, and he could easily be shot and and, yeah, yeah. and and killed. So then the the girl comes into the picture, and then so he's got two people coming from two different sides, and then I'm like, oh man, and then like that Cliff Booth does this little whistle, and then that's when his dog takes off. And not not only that though, he does the little like yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and then it, he clicks he clicks, and then all of a sudden the dog attacks Tex with the gun. Yeah, yeah. And starts chewing the crap. But then he takes takes the can, dog of canned food. Uh, yeah, and smashes and he it. Smash, like he smash, he like throws it and you jump at, at the girls because <laughs> it was. I mean, this was this went from like absolutely no violence whatsoever to almost like John Wick violence. Remember, <laughs> like yeah, remember yeah. John Wick three? Like it was just kind of like oh, it was cringy. Yeah, yeah. That's what this movie was right about this point in time. He literally throws the can of dog food, and it's a giant can. And he hits her square in the face with it. And uh, just, you see it hit... Yeah, I've got my hand up my mouth yeah, while yeah. trying to talk in the mic. You see it just hit her face and it her It just yeah, like... Yeah. Oh, and, and she starts like wailing and she's on the ground and she's she's just screaming. 
and then um, Squeaky's character yeah. then starts fighting Brad Pitt, and they they tu- they tussle around a little bit. Yeah. Um, we find that he gets stabbed. He gets stabbed in the leg. He actually lands on the knife. She doesn't stab him, yeah. but he lands on the knife, and he's like, "Oh, that's not good." And yeah. then and then he like and then he just like pounds Dakota Fanning's face like a thousand times on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's literally hitting her teeth against. Um, the the fireplace mantle. Oh, he's yeah, yeah. smashing her face all over like every table and on the floors and stuff like that. Just smashed her into like the the um the picture frames like right, over and over it. again. <laughs> oh man, it's so violent. It's so graphic. Uh, uh, and this then he, was at the point where I was like, all right, maybe Sharon Tate's not gonna die in this movie. That was uh, this is thing, the alternate like, well, this is the people. Well, they're killed. losing now. Yeah, yeah. They're definitely and they're pretty losing. Much, they're pretty much. Done They're it. not going into another house and killing other people, is what it were saying. So, anyways, the one girl, I guess that she gets mauled by the dog. Her face, right? Yep. The dog is. Well, he clicks her, her after he's done with Tex. He then clicks the dog over to mess with the other girl that's yeah, been smashed in the can. Like she the gets face. mauled in the face. Then she gets. Then the dog lets go of her. She gets crazy. Yeah. And, and she runs, out. runs outside and goes into the pool where. Leonardo's character jumps just, up, like, "What the heck's going on?" He's just in the pool, laying on the, and then he sees this girl just like going nuts, she coming at him. She has a knife, right? She yeah. has a knife, and she's like, "Yeah." Her hands are in the air, and she's just screaming. Pit, or uh, Rick Dalton gets up, and then he goes into his shed, and he comes back, and you see him come out. And earlier in the, I guess we should say, earlier in the movie, he was in a movie where he he killed these Nazis. With a blowtorch. With a flamethrower. A flamethrower. Flamethrower. And we see him. And he's talking about earlier in the movie how he worked with that flamethrower for about two or three weeks. So he looked pretty good doing it. (laughs) But we didn't know that he still had it. Well, it's in his shed. I mean, that's what they do with these props. So you you got this crazy girl screaming in the pole. And it's just... turns out very... And everything that you're expecting in this movie to happen at this night, on this moment... And then this girl screaming in this pool, and then he comes out with a flamethrower, and this torches her in the pool. Just torches her. For a good 10, I don't know. I don't know, it felt long, but yeah. it probably wasn't that long. But she comes out of it, and she's completely charred. And I have to say that I was laughing hysterically in the theater. Well, I think that's our way of dealing with the, yeah, uh, with the like, awkwardness. There was an older crowd with us, and everybody was quiet, and I, it made me laugh harder because no we one... Were, we were both cracking up. It was pretty <laughs> awesome. But I mean, we were doing the same thing in like John Wick, where yeah, yeah, yeah. where we were just like laughing. Which I, I don't understand with John Wick because what else was people expecting in John Wick? But anyways, this is such so a great anyway, ending, uh, such a great ending. So yeah, that was the the classic. Well, uh, I would say it's kind of a grind. They end up movie. yeah. Well, they end up calling the the cops come out. Yeah. They pick up Cliff. He's gonna go to the hospital, get all patched up, and at the end of the movie. Rick finally meets his neighbors because you remember they show, oh, and I don't even think we mentioned this earlier, but Rick um, has never met the Polanskis. He's never met Sharon Tate. He's never met J.C. Bring. They just yeah, think they, he they just that they there. well they and he in his mind you can tell that they don't like him. That's what he's thinking is that they don't like him. He kind of feels like they should come up to him. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean they're just not reaching out. But yeah, then yeah. they're in the same boat. Yeah, yeah. Where they were kind of like, oh, we we didn't want to bother you. You looked yeah. like you're you know important. We didn't we didn't feel. But they um, J.C. Bring's character comes down to the the fence. Talks with um, Rick, Dalton. Rick Dalton for a little bit. What happened? Is then Sharon comes over on the intercom and they start talking, and then they end the movie with them 
with Rick going into their house. Which uh, before that drinks. she's like, she's on the intercom. She's like, "Is everyone out okay?" And he's like, "Well, not everyone's okay. The, those those freaking hippies aren't okay. Yeah, they're all dead." But <laughs> so anyway, yeah, it's good for them. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I guess everything that you expect. It was a much better ending. It than had a great dying. payoff. Yeah. It's kind of like the Inglorious Bastards payoff, right? Where it changed the version of history for right. a good, for a better, for better, yeah, and more entertaining. Yeah, I mean, if someone's gonna die a horrific death, it might as well be the the hippies that are <laughs> that were that were doing that. Yeah. <laughs>